there. I am Paul Caputo, and this is the Baseball by Design podcast, broadcasting live, as always, from the Helmet Sunday Hall of Fame in my basement in Fort Collins, Colorado. I'm very pleased to be joined by my friend, Philip Geary, who has an awesome storied career in minor league baseball, and like many people in minor league baseball, is no longer in minor league baseball. So Philip was with the Bakersfield Blaze when I attended a game there in 2014 as part of my baseball Palooza road trip, which I know I've mentioned a couple of times uh, on this podcast. The Bakersfield Blaze, as you will hear from Philip, have an amazing history and really a unique story. Philip, thank you for being here. Oh, not a pleasure. My, my, or, wait, not a pleasure? No, my pleasure. It's not a problem. <laughs> my pleasure. <laughs> not a pleasure. Well, not again, I said it. Miserable. I said it would be unique, and you're the first person to say not a pleasure that when I say, said thank you for not being here. Not a problem. Here. My pleasure. Glad to be here. Good to see you again, because I can see you. Uh, we can see each other. It's an audio medium, but we are talking face-to-face through the magic of Zoom. I want to set the stage for this conversation, because it's, it's one of my all-time favorite baseball experiences was meeting you for the first time in Bakersfield as part of the first ever, the inaugural it's kind of a prequel to the baseball paloozas. It was just my friend, Jeremy and me driving in his Prius. And on this baseball palooza 2014, the very first one that we ever did, we started with the Lake Elsinore storm. And then the next day we drove up to Bakersfield to see the blaze. And then after that, we went down to the, I want to make sure I get these in the right order. The Rancho Cucamonga quakes were next. And then we finished with the inland empire 66ers. And our friends made fun of us because we, you know, I flew from Colorado to Los Angeles and then we drove east. We drove away from the rollerbladers and Santa Monica Pier and the beaches and the palm trees. And we drove inland to watch minor league baseball, not least of which was our experience in Bakersfield. So well, you know, it, it's funny. You just did. You just did the whole Cal League South yeah. RIP with yeah. the exception of the high desert Mavericks. You yeah. missed probably the most unique baseball experience in all of baseball in high desert. We drove past the high, Dever- uh, the high desert Mavericks, uh, but they weren't playing. In fact, they were playing on the road at one of the teams that we saw, you know, while yeah. we were driving around. So there, there was a, that, you know, the wind in that stadium was so intense that um, we had a second baseman or shortstop, uh, Devin Lohman, I think, who had a pop-up literally to the pitcher and it got high enough that the wind took it over the fence for home run and <laughs> everybody on the field laughed while he jogged around the bases except yeah. the pitcher the pitcher I'm did sure. not, but yeah he like he just lifted this ball high enough and the wind would blow like 35 40 miles straight out and you just he just chuckled around the bases well i wouldn't laugh either if i was the pitcher there right because that's you know that goes against your stats that goes on yeah. the that goes on the <laughs> box score so, so we drove to Bakersfield, you know, we found our hotel, we got some, uh, Basque food because there's a huge Basque population in Bakersfield. Yeah. And so that, that was cool. And then First we drive. I hated Basque food. You hated Basque food. A lot well, of lamb. Yeah, I'm a vegetarian to begin oh. with. Yeah. So that took out a lot of the food and B, I don't like communal eating with people oh, yeah. I don't know. So sitting at the table with people I, I didn't know, I was like, man, this is, I don't want to talk to y'all. <laughs> 
<laughs> that is well I'm, I'm i'm grateful that you're here on the podcast then knowing that <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you're fine you're fine like i said this is no pleasure at all for me <laughs> this is no pleasure uh so anyhow we drive up to sam lynn ballpark which first of all i would like to ask you because i'm gonna you're i'm just gonna tell the story and have you interrupt me along the way please tell the listener if you would the unique thing about sam lynn ballpark regarding its geographic orientation i was gonna say the unique thing there are a lot of unique things about uh, the bakersfield blaze uh but sam lynn ballpark which was built in 1941 uh when local coca-cola bottler sam lynn uh brought he actually uh i think he invented the cow league uh he went to new york set it all up uh, and that was in uh december of 1940 he died in like january of 41 and oh, wow. the season started in april of 41 so he never even saw a game there at the stadium he built on the current kern county fairgrounds in a pre-existing track with pre-existing grandstands where the uh home plate faced due west Due West. So I don't know if anyone here watches baseball, um, but Due West is a bad place for the uh, for a baseball field to, to face. What with the sun setting out there? Almost every day. You can guarantee, <laughs> like you can't guarantee every day the sun's gonna set, but like I'm gonna say like 365 out of the 300, not 364 to 365, that sun is gonna set right in center field. So this is you know, obviously this is a podcast about branding, so we'll just throw this out here first. That was one theory that was put forth as to why the team was called the Blaze. The fact that you know the blazing sun was blasting batters in the eye while they were trying to bat. Can you confirm or deny that? Th- that, that is theory? a that is a uh, false. That is a false statement. Okay. Uh, the last thing the Bakersfield Blaze uh, want to do is to remind you to come out to a game at eight o'clock at night when we start because we have to wait for the sun to set when it's still 105 degrees outside with no breeze uh, and air so thick you could you could you could see what you're breathing. The, uh, we did not want you. We did not want to remind you that, that the, there was a blazing sun. Perfect. Thank you. So that theory has now been discounted. It is just blazing hot in Bakersfield, California. So there really was no like, like way around it. So like we we didn't want to remind you that it was blazing hot, but we didn't have to because it just was. So the Bakersfield Blaze, you know, I mean, well, I'm not gonna say the baseball's never been hotter than the Bakersfield Blaze because that is a Jacksonville Suns uh, jingle. Oh, okay. Uh, and maybe actually the Hagerstown Suns too, since they were owned by the same guy i don't know if you know this but the hagerstown suns logo is the jacksonville suns logo from the 60s with updated sunglasses updated sunglasses so maybe yeah. more stylish more of like an 80s style sunglasses. he's got some oakley's on now but he used to have like some really square like cool like uh ray-bans on um ray ray-bans because the suns anyway yeah uh baseball has never been hotter than jacksonville suns that's true r.i.p uh, yeah but the Bakes the blaze. It's just hot, man. It's just hot. So maybe they were called the blaze because it was hot, but I don't want to tell you that because it's 110 degrees outside and I expect you to bring your children and buy bottles of water. Well, the first time you and I communicated, I sent you an email to let you know, Hey, uh, you know, I read, I was writing for sportslogos.net. 
I still am writing for sportslogos.net, but I reached out to you and said, oh, hey. It was that I, I, I love PS. Thanks very much. Uh, Chris Cream. I have mentioned that to Chris Creamer because you've told me that before. And, and this was, you know, when I started writing for Sports Logos, like that was awesome for me to like be able to reach out to teams and say, hey, I'm Paul. I write for sportslogos.net. And they're like, wow, we love that site. So so I, I have been riding Chris Creamer's coattails all around minor league baseball parks, you know, of America. So, you know, appreciate that. And maybe that encouraged you to respond when I said, Hey, I would like to write a story about why the blaze are called the blaze. And I got a very hearty response from you. I'm not sure if you remember this, but what you said to me was essentially, I wonder if I still have the email. We're called the blaze because it's blazing hot. End of story. And I was like, Hey, this is going to be my shortest article ever. This is great. But obviously we ended up, you know, this, the story went from there. We got into a lot more details so again, I want to preface all of these stories that we're telling with, I loved this experience. I loved going to a Blaze game. Part of that was getting to, you know, to meet you and have you show us around the ballpark and tell us all of these amazing stories that go with the, the Blaze itself. So we drive up to the ballpark from a purely objective, aesthetic point of view, Sam Lynn ballpark. It's not, you know, the shining ballpark <laughs> stadium on the hill that people are going to, you know, right home about HLK not built this ballpark (laughs) (laughs) so aesthetically maybe it's not you know I it's probably the main reason that the team was contracted by minor league baseball I don't know if that's fair to say uh but in 2000 the 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 ballpark is a major factor on the on the contraction I believe yeah right so as a facility, maybe not the, you know, the example of the best facilities for minor league ballparks, but, but an absolute fabulous experience as a fan, right? Like, especially when you get the great Philip Geary to show you around and regale you with stories all night long. So we drive up. Which you, I, I do want to say was not just you. I would do it for anybody who showed up. If you showed up at one in the afternoon and I was outside, like, you know, blowing down the stands or building a like rebuilding pipes or whatever it is i did there and you're like hey this is a weird ballpark what tell me about it i would just tell you about it i would tell you i would take you on a tour if the team was on the road i'd take in clubhouses whatever you want to do i will will show you i was so excited to get into all these stories and you've reminded me by saying that you know you were there to regale everyone with stories what was your title with the uh with the blaze (laughs) i was the assistant general manager which uh no one can see me but i i don't know that i actually look like an assistant general manager of a minor league baseball team like if you lined us all up uh and you were to point out the assistant general manager you would point me out as a janitor not an assistant not as an agm but i was the agm uh which technically stood for i was uh i i generally managed to assist everybody (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then and then you moved from the blaze before the blaze were contracted you moved from the from the blaze to uh, the charleston river dogs yeah and you yep. worked there for a little while and then uh, now uh, where i actually was just the janitor i wasn't agm there uh I, I i was i was the janitor who would uh yell at the promo guy about his promos i'm pretty sure that that's not true but we'll, we'll for the sake of the podcast oh, no, you can call him his name's nate uh, he would tell you I yelled at him an awful lot, um, but I yelled at him because I cared so much. Right. Uh, what I'm saying is I'm pretty sure that you weren't yeah, just sure. the janitor. Yeah. So to to paint a picture here, if you were if we were to line you up with like Jason Worth 
and the mascot for the Northwest Arkansas Naturals, like in a police lineup? It would be hard to tell. I actually, own, so I own a, uh, a Williamsport Crosscutters hat um, because I look like the logo for the Williamsport Crosscutters. Um, and at a winter meetings in Orlando, it was right after the Red Sox won the World Series. And I swear to God, everyone there thought I was Johnny Gomes. I got asked for more autographs. At one point, we were having lunch with the Bakersfield Blades manager at the time, a gentleman by the name of Ken Griffey Sr., who was a, a former big league baseball player um, of some renown. Um, it's possible <laughs> listeners to this podcast have heard of Ken Griffey Sr. If, if they're true baseball fans, they've probably heard of Ken Griffey Sr. <laughs> um, but we were standing in the lobby and we're talking with Ken Griffey Sr., who's a legitimate baseball star, like a Reds Hall of Famer, you know? And uh, some, someone walked up and asked me for my autograph because they thought I was Johnny Gomes. And I was like, yo, this is Ken Griffey Sr. I'm an idiot. Like, and they, but I was like, hey, man, I'm not, I'm not who you think I am. And he's like, oh, okay, cool, thanks. And he walked away. That's great. Okay, so anyway, we get there to this ballgame. You're regaling us with stories. You're showing us around. You bring us into the press box, such as it is, which is essentially sort of a, like a semi, basically. It's sort of a... It's a, it's a single wide tin trailer is what it is. <laughs> right, And but it was a air conditioned and be not in the sun so and had a refrigerator in it with beverages that you directed us to so that that was great yeah yep. we always had a little product up there from uh, the local brewery um, so you invited us to partake in that we certainly appreciated that and so then we get to and again we're talking about why the blaze are called the blaze so then we get to theory number two as to why the blaze are called the blaze which is another story that you tell us about a game against the Vasalia Oaks uh, in which Oaks, the sprinklers yeah. went off. And I will uh, ask you if you would to take over that story from there. So this was in the early, this must have been the mid, early 90s, probably early 90s. Uh, the Oaks are playing and the groundskeeper went home at some point during the game because as you know, baseball groundskeepers routinely just leave in the middle of a the game. They just get the game started and they're out. You know, they're, Usually the least uh, involved and like laziest people in the ballpark are the, are the groundskeepers who show That's up nice. at 6 a.m. and leave at 4 a.m. every day. Right. So, but for some reason, in the early 90s, this guy went home. Uh, and when he went home, his automatic sprinklers turned on during the game. Uh, and the mascot, uh, who, if this was the early 90s, were the Bixel Dodgers, it's definitely um, Roger Dodger which uh, I must insist you Google. Um, I know that the Bakersfield Blaze Twitter page uh, at Baker Blaze, uh, who uh, tweets from hell now, yeah. um, they have put up a picture of Roger Dodger. and You have to go see this monstrosity. It is the most glorious nightmare fuel that minor league baseball has ever wrought. Um, <laughs> if, I can, so if I can interject too about that, that old Bakersfield Dodgers uh, logo, you showed me uh, the the cap that they had that was essentially the Brooklyn Dodgers logo. Like yep, that was just the Brooklyn Dodgers. That was yep. a great a great use of that Brooklyn B for a Dodgers affiliate in Bakersfield. Very clever. Yeah, very clever. Um, I, I have issues with the LA Dodgers using the Brooklyn Dodgers uh, logo. I understand, you know, but um, you know, I mean, y'all left. You know what I mean? Like. You can't just take it. You're not Brooklyn, you know, but you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get mad. 
Um, <laughs> it's a little bit like the Carolina Hurricanes using the old yeah. Hartford Whalers logo. I agree. Which, or which uh, the Hartford Whalers logo, Hucky the Whale, yeah. which is uh, a great name for a mascot. Totally. Um, also, one of the greatest mascot logos in the history of uh, logos. Just have a whale with an urs at the end. My God. These people are geniuses. They're geniuses. It was like the first ever emoji. Yeah, I know. Whale errs. God, Pucky's <laughs> the best man. I love, I love terrible, like old uh, mascots. I love Pucky the whale. I love King Coug- County Cougars mat- uh, logo that was done MS Paint. Yep. I love the Yakima Bears with the bat in his mouth. It's kind of like janky looking. These are my favorite. These are my favorite. You may be the first person ever to say. To, to bring up the Hartford Whalers having one of the all-time great logos and not be talking about the old counterform H and the W and the whale tail like that. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Looks, look, you know, real clever. You look like the FedEx logo. Uh, the with the arrow. <laughs> with the arrow, exactly. Yeah. Um, great design work there. I'm not here for design work. I'm here for a whale with errs at the end. They literally just put ERS at the at the butt of a whale. Whalers. Whalers. So we got a little anyway, bit of Anyway, so the mascot... Yeah. Uh, thinks that you know I'll step on this sprinkler head, and that will stop the what, the field from getting wet, so that we can continue play baseball when the groundskeeper finally gets back from trouts or whatever dive bar he's hanging out in Oildale and turns the sprinklers off. Yeah. Uh, in the while he does that, he just floods third base because <laughs> if you step on the sprinkler head, it doesn't stop. No, you know the water's got to go somewhere. Go, yeah, it dispersed the water in a in a wide area. You step on it, it just floods right there. So he flooded it, and then the Visalia pitching coach or third base coach or someone was like, "Hey, just pour kerosene on it. It'll burn all the water off," <laughs> which is true. It did burn the water off. Yeah, um, and it can be used to dry the 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 clay. It'll hurt. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, I think water and and fire is how you make like pottery. So it's probably not the best idea for ground balls, but anyway, he they burned third base grass. And at the time, Sam Lynn Ballpark didn't have what you call warning tracks. <laughs> there was no warning track around the ballpark. Um, those were put in in 2010 when I moved there. I, I, like me and the groundskeeper, Jason Smith, uh, and a guy named Brian Cool. We put the ground, we put the, the warning track in three steps and a bang. Before that, it was like bang. So <laughs> there's no steps in a bang. It was just bang. <laughs> just bang. There's a lot of foul territory. It's all grass. And now it is completely scorched for the entire season. Because you so, set it on fire. Well, you didn't set it on fire. So the so the visiting the, the Visalia Oaks assistant coach or one of the coaches Somebody, says, yeah. pour some kerosene on it, set it on fire. And everyone there is just like, great idea. <laughs> Great idea, you know? And honestly, I mean, like, I don't know. When is pouring kerosene and setting on fire, like, not a good idea? <laughs> so so then the rest of the season is played with this scorched half of the field, essentially. Yeah. And that still, though, is not why the team is called the Blaze. Not called the Blaze because of the Blaze, blazed field. Okay. And right. it has nothing to do with the uh, – uh, marijuana marijuana laws in california either all right do you know the actual answer to the question why is this team called the blaze i assume just because it was blazing hot i 
that's that's my answer it's just blazing hot out here man like baseball has literally never been hotter than the bakersfield <laughs> place so maybe maybe midland i don't know how cold or how midland texas gets but um it's a desert it's gotta get pretty hot right I would expect Midland, Texas gets pretty high. We'll have to talk to the Rockhounds about this. But so for a team that was trying to not remind people that it was hot, first of all, the team's called the Blaze. Yeah. They've had a, they've had a series of logos that got sort of farther and farther away from actual flames over the years. And yeah. so I, I do want to address the logos a little bit here. The there was one used from ninety five to two thousand. Another one used from 2001 to 2010. And then the final one was used from 2011 to 2016. The first one, 95 to 2000, widely regarded, I think, uh, including by you as the best logo the team's had. The best Blaze logo uh, that they ever had. And if, you, if you've never seen it, you can, you can close your eyes and think about baseball logos from the 90s and you will, you will come up with what it is. <laughs> it's so it's sort of a clip art baseball with some yep. red flames you know clip art flames clip art flames and then the word blaze in sort of a dark blue so it's like you know it's sort of the primary colors it's a dark blue red and and there's a little bit of yellow outline there the origins of this logo do you know the origins of that logo like where, where like who created it yeah, yeah yeah well it wasn't uh dan simon uh-huh. who I know is a friend of yours who did an incredible logo for you. Did Dan um, Simon do an amazing logo for this podcast or what? I mean, am I... I tell you, I saw it on Twitter for a week and I was like, it didn't even dawn on me that it was your Twitter account. I was just like, that's a good ass logo. And then I, one day I just it clicked and I was like, oh my God, that's so good. So yeah, he did, <laughs> he did a great job. I love that logo. Uh, anyway, he didn't do the Blaze logo. Uh, Brandios, I don't think existed. It wasn't some sort of weird design firm in LA. It was, uh, I believe it was Jack Patton, uh, owner and president of Bakersfield Blaze, in this in the bleachers with a woman named Sandra, who uh, was a booster until the day the Blaze died, and a wonderful woman. And she drew it up on a cocktail napkin and said, this is, should be the logo. And he said, that's a pretty good logo. So that's, that's where the logo came from, was <laughs> a fan in the stands who was like, oh, y'all changed to the Blaze? That's cool. How about this B with a flaming baseball in it? Done. <laughs> Perfect. This was this was the market research. This was focus groups in 1995, right? <laughs> All and, right. And is that is that better? I mean, let's the you know logos now, team names, the nicknames. I feel like we really jumped the shark on some of this stuff. You know what I mean? Like, no disrespect to any teams out there, but like, I think there's too much market research going into this. Well, I think it's definitely true that like even a lot of major league teams right now are never going to survive the first focus group. If they're bringing, if you're the Phillies, like my Phillies, and you're bringing Phillies as a nickname to the, to a market research focus group, no way it makes it out of that first round. So I think, you know, I think there's a lot of classic names out there, a lot of classic logos, like your Kane County Cougars original MS paint version. So good. Yeah, never would have made it out of focus groups now. So I think it's, I mean, it's obviously a different environment out there now. And you're, there's, you know, things that you used to see, you're not going to see anymore. And there's a certain nostalgic attachment to those. One of the logos that I think there was probably not a nostalgic attachment to. (laughs) (laughs) It's the, it's the second Blaze logo, which uh, you described as the graffiti logo. Yeah. Um, 
and it has sort of two parts. There's sort of a, a, a you know, the, a script logo and there's the essentially, you know, I thought it was like a Toronto maple leaf or something, but you disavowed me of that. We're getting into another sense of the word blaze here with this logo. Can you, I'll let you take it from here. So I think, so the, the graffiti logo is a lot of angles, isn't it? It's like a lot of sharp mm-hmm. angles. It's kind of like that, like that classic, like S thing people always draw, you know, it's yep. like that, but like with a B and L and A Z, it's very, yeah. it's very angular and weird. And it looks like it put, belongs on a skateboard. Yeah, yeah, it's it's very, and even though it's like, what is it, 2000 when they did that? 2001 to 2010. Yeah, it still feels like very 1998 to mm-hmm. me. Like, mm-hmm. it, de- it it definitely seems like it was like not as cutting edge in 2001 as maybe they had hoped. Um, but they topped it with, um, which I think is officially a California oak leaf on fire. Oh, California oak leaf. So not a Toronto maple leaf. Not like Toronto, not a maple But you know, the Visalia oaks are named after something. Sure. You know? And so I think technically it's a, a blazing oak leaf. But ask anyone who owns a hat, who bought a t-shirt, they just bought it because it looked like a pot leaf. It looks like a burning pot leaf. It looks like a burning pot leaf with with a butterfly coming out of it because there's oh a, yeah yeah the bb there's a b and a b sort of like i just put my hands i'm i'm gesturing to you what this <laughs> yeah. is and i put my hands right in front of the microphones that's a, that's a <laughs> high quality podcasting right here it's a b and a b backed up to one another uh sort of symmetrically and so they look like i almost did it again they they look like a butterfly so it looks like a butterfly with a flaming pot leaf behind it and yeah, then yes and then you've got this black and orange. Uh, so the colors on this one are black and orange and yellow, essentially. And then there's red. So, And you told me uh, when we talked about this logo the first time that that black is a reference to the oil industry. I don't know. I mean, if you ever go to Bakersfield, and you know, Bakersfield gets a, a bad reputation uh, for everything. And some of it is earned. And some of it, I think, is just like pop culture, you know, ingrained, like Bakersfield, you know, it's about a very Johnny Carson joke and like whatever. It's, it's easy target. Uh, and, and you know, some of that is is true. Uh, but at the heart, Bakersfield's a, a good city. Um, it's, a, it's an interesting town. Um, and every single parking lot has a pump jack in it, which is pumping oil. Like every single parking lot has a pump jack. Uh, and if you go to Oildale, uh, which is the north part of town where the ballpark sat on, right on the dry riverbed of the Kern River. Um, just, and across the way was Oildale. Um, and if you read Grapes of Wrath, when they get to Bakersfield, that's where they go. But yeah, all of Oildale, uh, they have this entire, entire section. It's just, it looks like an apocalyptic movie of pump jacks, just all that just pump jacks. Um, so the oil industry there is what keeps that city alive. But the other part is agriculture. Uh, a lot of uh, your cuties, yeah. um, pistachios all come from Bakersfield. Uh, Bolt House uh, is there. So they've, they've got those weird smoothies um, that were kind of the rage in like 2009, I guess. Um, but they also invented baby carrots. Baby carrots are a, a Bakersfield invention. So and ba- if you want to know a secret, it's just regular sized carrots that were <laughs> ugly that they cut into smaller carrots. There's nothing baby about these carrots. 
that is the greatest secret ever. Just like that baby carrots are just repurposed larger carrots that were too ugly to sell. <laughs> yep, that's all they are. All they are. So. I kind of love this. So, so, the, so you got the black from the oil, you get the orange from the agriculture, the tangerines and the, um, you know, the citrus we grow there. Well, and then obviously it all folds into sort of, you know, this, this, the, all the warm colors obviously reinforce this whole notion of, you know, fire and flames. Yeah. And then we move on to the, I mean, this is honestly, I, I don't want, I'm not trying to talk bad about the blaze because I love them. May you, they rest you can, in peace. You can talk about, about the blaze. They don't exist anymore. <laughs> and the only people that are going to defend the blaze are me, Tim Wheeler, and maybe Dan Bespris, um, the, the broadcaster that at its demise. Um, we are the last people who, who would defend, except for Sandra. Sandra will probably sit out there. She's probably at a train robbers game right now. Uh, you know, defending defending that team. So the Baker, last the last logo though the the script beat. Well, the script. But I want to just I mention real quick. You said the train robbers, the Bakersfield train robbers are the the team that's playing there in Samlin Ballpark now, and yep. they're they're a Pecos League independent team, and so they're you know that they've and got a cool fun logo, and they also have a great MS Paint logo. Yeah, they totally <laughs> do. Yeah, and they've been sort of all over. They they've played in in various, you know, I think three or four different cities before they got to Bakersfield, and have always been the train robbers, which is sort of interesting. Yeah, but yeah, this this script B that you know I I have mentioned kind of looks like that font that everybody has on their computer uh, called Brush Script, but it's not Brush Script, and you've told me before what it's actually called. It's mascot. MVB mascot MVB and I found it I don't remember how I found that out um but I was just googling something um and and there it was and I was like yeah that's my B uh and, and then <laughs> we downloaded we, we downloaded the font and we used it in all our marketing stuff it was I don't know how we never like how that wasn't in the paperwork you know like I mean the that B so the pot leaf B ended like just before the last the last regime which was me and liz martin the gm and debris and uh later you know uh mikey candela sort of ran it ran then but uh you know like we we took we took that over and, and somehow we didn't have the paperwork on the logo like <laughs> there's no like graphic and identity standards manual that uh that nah. came with the, the ballpark <laughs> i mean there might have been but when like seriously when, when liz and i showed up we had like three laptop computers, all of them with uh, passwords we didn't know. And then finally, when someone broke into the passwords, we just found computers infected with porn viruses. Oh, just no. <laughs> we had to get all new computers. Uh, so maybe there was paperwork in there, but uh, I, you know, as a as a prude, I was not digging through that virus to find what font our mascot MVP was. Maybe some instructions on how to work the sprinklers in case they go off yeah. during a game or something. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Um, somewhere I have the old sprinkler um, like interface like the like from the 70s it's like a the dials and stuff I, I stole a bunch of stuff from Bakersfield when I left that uh, that needs to go in the in the blaze hall of fame along with that cocktail napkin that has the original yes. logo on it <laughs> and Roger the Dodgers head <laughs> and Roger Dodger head and a, and a Brooklyn Dodgers hat yeah <laughs> and the stat uh, line for Mike Piazza uh, who played with the Bakersfield Dodgers who everybody watched, everybody in town saw Mike Piazza. Let's all and and remember just seeing a 60th round catcher who's the godson of Tommy Lasorda play baseball. Everyone remembered that as soon as he got to be good. 
Of so, course, of course. Yeah. So, well, okay. So now we're name dropping. And so I do want to bring up Bakersfield's uh, or Bakersfield's most famous fan. When Jeremy and I showed up in Bakersfield, hoping to, to meet, because you told us it might be a possibility that we might get a chance to meet Fred Willard, the actor. He was a regular at Bakersfield blaze games and you got to interact with him. Yeah. Well, sort of. So he, I, I assume he lived up in Tehachapi or he lived somewhere like on the mountain outside of town. He didn't live in Bakersfield. But he would sometimes he would roll down one side of the mountain to the Jethawks game. And other times he'd roll down into Bakersfield to a Blaze game. Now, when I say roll, I mean this man did not look like a Hollywood star. He showed up looking unshaven, like a like a loose, like dirty, like button-up shirts, shorts, and flip-flops. You know, like the first time someone was like, yo, that's Fred Willard. I was like, does he need a dollar? Can I get him a dollar? Um but he, uh, yeah, he just showed up at a game. And like, uh, and I was, because I was the, I was generally managing to assist everybody. Part of my job was to do the on-field games. So yeah. I was the guy who did, you know, I'm on the microphone doing the mascot race or whatever. Uh, anyway, so I'm on the field trying to like do this. And Fred Willard is sitting there. Like, you have to tell jokes in front of Fred Willard. You have to entertain Fred Willard. It was stressful. Yes. I can only imagine that that like having to perform in front of Fred Willard, who is hilarious, right? Like totally hilarious. And if you don't know Fred Willard, I, you know, go look him up because he's, he, you know, so you, uh, you but wait, before oh, it's sorry. Since we're name dropping, since we're talking about Fred Willard, I must tell you, since I want everyone to know that one night he was there with a friend, he looks pretty good. The guy's name was Mike. He was a head writer for SNL at some point in his career. I don't know which Mike, I don't know which SNL head writer, um, but I, I would stand outside after the games with a, with a handful of pocket schedules because Bakersfield Blaze games were attended by no more than 120 people. Like on a good night, we had a solid 500 people. Um, so I would stand out front and I would literally hand pocket schedules to every person that walked out the gate. And I would say, hey, thank you for coming. Thank you for coming to watch us. Come and see us tomorrow night. I guarantee a win. I guaranteed a win every single game. I didn't say who was going to win. I just guaranteed them that somebody would win. Um, and I was never wrong. But I was standing <laughs> there and Mike and Fred walk out. Uh, and the, the, his friend, this Mike guy, he says, hey, man, you're, you're pretty funny. And Fred Willard said, oh, yeah, he does a great job. He's real funny. And I was like, oh, Fred Willard said I was funny? And I was like, that's me. I, I felt like Kermit the Frog going all the way to Hollywood. You know what I mean? I was like, <laughs> I'm Fozzie Bear in the Studebaker. I'm out the way, man. Um, this is this is the headline on the resume right now. Fred Will- it's, it's legit in my cover letter. It's awesome. in my cover letter that Fred Willard said I was funny. <laughs> and I don't want to like be named everywhere, but you know, the Charleston River Dogs are in part in part owned by Bill Murray, sure. the actor. Uh, and he didn't tell me I was funny, but he did tell me I said weird things. And I thought, man, eh, close enough. Also a compliment. Also, also a compliment. He also gave me 200 bucks to shave once. So that was cool. <laughs> and you shaved. Uh, for 200 bucks? Yeah, hell yeah. yeah. So one more story that I want to share about the Blaze here in particular is at this game that we attended, there, there were essentially two ways to keep cool. One was to eat ice cream out of a helmet. Yeah. I, got my, I got my orange helmet with the mascot MVB script B on the front. And then you sent us away with like 10 more of those, by the way. Um, I, I hope you traded them for something good. 
there i only have one now so i guess i must have right yeah that's good that's a that's a hot ticket i might have some more here if you need some more i mean listen i'm never going to say no to that uh <laughs> but the other way to keep cool in uh in bakersfield at a game is to participate in the ice the ice water bucket challenge or or whatever it was and so one of my favorite baseball memories at any baseball game is when you and the blaze mascot torch dumped a significant amount of ice water was it torch or was it uh i'm almost certain it was heater it was probably Uh, heater because heater um and i don't want to like tell anyone there's no santa claus but you know there are people in those mascot costumes they're just like normal well they're not normal people but um (laughs) the the person in heater was a very good friend of mine who lived in san francisco and we'd catch ride shares from san francisco to bakersfield just to be the mascot for a week um i don't even know that we paid him in anything other than i don't even think we fed him because he's vegan then what are you going to feed a vegan in bakersfield um so yeah so it was definitely heater because he did not like to miss fun things like that okay well this was this very definitely kept me cool i got to go out on the field you did a whole announcement about you know like here's paul caputo from sportslogos.net and he's participating in the ice bucket challenge and you dumped ice water on my head and your photographer got a terrific photo of it like the team photographer whoever that was yeah so i'm gonna i'll post that on twitter for everyone to see the me getting uh dunked uh on field at a at a blaze game you know it's funny now that we're thinking about that um that seems kind of dangerous to dump a bunch of ice water on the field of play like i imagine we were in the in the warning track which was like loose gravel but still we were were on the grass right behind home plate and i'm pretty sure that it was like evaporated and gone within you know about (laughs) you know a a fun thing about salmon ballpark though is you know it could be 110 degrees at nine o'clock at night yeah um but for some reason and i don't know the science of this and if there are any soil scientists out there listening um the infield and the grass would get they would get more wet as the night went on like water somehow came up from the earth and kept the infield wet um and then the outfield as well and i i don't know if it's like i mean the riverbed was dry they had like diverted all the water for irrigation so there wasn't water in the current river um but for some reason the the water bed the water table or something i don't know but the at 10 o'clock at night the field was like soaked this sounds like the beginning of a pierce brosnan movie here this sounds like a disaster is yeah. about to strike well, it, there was a lot of disasters on that field. Um, I, don't, I don't know how much high A baseball you've watched. But <laughs> a lot. I've seen a lot of high A baseball. <laughs> um, so, but this brings me into uh, the last thing that I wanted to talk to you about, actually, which was after I was sitting there soaking wet, and it probably would have dried out fairly quickly, but yeah. you said, hang on a second, I've got a shirt for you. This is a shirt you have to have. And you took off running and you Ooh. came back. Bill G don't run that much. I'll tell you what. <laughs> but you came back, you brought back this shirt for a team called the Bakersfield Outlaws. Yes, the Outlaws. Man, I'll tell you what, there were a lot of, I mean, there there are a lot of, I mean, the Blaze is a fine name, the Dodgers or whatever. They were the Mariners for, you know, a year or two. Um, they had been the Badgers, the um, Indians, the Bakersfield, something else. Uh, at one point, they were called the Bakersfield Boosters because I think like they were a co-op team in like the fifties or so. Okay. Um, and so they were just called the boosters, um, which is a great name. 
Um, yeah. I literally think the boosters supported that team. Anyway, the Big Show outlaws after the Dodgers left in the early, the Dodgers were there in the early 70s. And they left in like 77 or 76. Um, and then they came back in 84, I think. Um, but in between, there was a, a independent California League team called the Bakersfield Outlaws. Uh, and for people who don't know, outlaw music, uh, your Merle Haggards, your Buck Owens, uh, Red Simpson, all these guys are from Bakersfield. The Bakersfield sound was the antithesis to the Nashville sound. So the Nashville sound uh, baseball team was named after, of course, the Nashville sound in country music, which had like a lot of orchestration and violins. And it was very, <clears throat> it was very big. You know I mean? It's like, you know, uh, Willie Nelson moves to Nashville. He gets into Nashville. You know, he writes all these songs with the Nashville sound, but he doesn't, he doesn't go anywhere. He, I don't know, at some point, Willie Nelson gets drunk in Austin, lays down in the middle of the road, die, uh, get run over. He doesn't, and he starts, he's, you know, he's stripped away all the sound. Bakersfield catches on to that. Merle Haggard gets in there, and they come up with the Bakersfield sound. It's honky-tonk. Dwight Yoakam still does it pretty good. Uh, so outlaw music. We're the outlaws. Not affiliated with the motorcycle gang. Um, and the logo was hands down the greatest logo in the history of baseball. I will say it once. I'll say it again. You can you you can come fight me on Twitter at Philip G. I am not wrong. It's the greatest logo in the history of baseball. And do you know why? Do you want me to tell you why? I think I know what you're going to say, but I want you to say it. I'm I'm dying for this line. Spurs, cleats <laughs> with spurs. The man <laughs> is wearing cleats that have spurs on them. Who's he's wearing like cowboy boot cleats with spurs? Oh, it's the greatest logo in the history. Uh, it really. It really is the the best. Like honestly, it's such a great logo. It's this like very like detailed sort of cartoony illustration of a cowboy hat guy with, and it, like you say, he's wearing cleats with spurs on him, which it's, is yeah. It's um, you know, everything is just like in this. It's it's got like a really good seventies like trucker, uh, keep on trucking you know like vibe to it it's just like it's it's really really good. i don't know who designed that one that one was definitely not you know some kid in the stands no that was a sort of ornate illustration and i'll post it on twitter here and and you know make sure that people have it i do i do have i want to give you i want to give you a platform here because i know that that sometimes these conversations can be a little one-sided especially with ed rivera of the dad hat chronicles being a frequent guest on on this oh. podcast I know that that are you friends with Ed Rivera? Ed and I are friends. Yeah, absolutely. He it's, seems like a really nice guy. He's a like, very think, nice guy. And like I think I could be good friends with him. Uh, absolutely. Despite our deep, deep, deep uh cultural differences, our yeah. ideological differences in hats. Yes. I, he's wrong. Everything about that man is wrong. <laughs> I'll say it now, I'll say it again. Well, uh, I I'll tell you, I am, I'm with Ed on these hats. I am team dad hat here, but, you know, but I want you to, I want to give you the platform here in our last few minutes before we go to, to expound on, on your philosophy that is contrary to our espousing of the dad hats. So I am, and I don't want to like, you know, I don't want to brag nothing, but I am a new dad. I'm about, um, at this point, two months into being a dad, um, beautiful baby girl, She's wonderful. She's, you know, great. Everything about it's great. Um, dad hats, not cool. You look like a dad in them. If you're going to wear a hat, I want to say, and 
I only wear, like I have probably, I probably have like close to 200 hats at this point. Um, and they're, and they got like a good structure. They're high, they're crisp. The brim <laughs> is flat, you know? And I'm not saying like a flat brim, like, you know, like I'm Jay-Z in like 2005. I'm talking old man, high trucker hat, just crisp <laughs> with like the foam front. And it, it, it just sits on the top of your head. It sits on the top of your head and defies gravity it defies the elements and you could you could ride a bike and it won't fall off how it works i don't know but it just it just sits high. And like i said i'm a big man you know i'm six four i'm six five in boots you know and now i got this hat that's at least three inches off my head you know the higher the crown the closer to god is what they say uh, <laughs> is that what they say <laughs> i mean i don't know who they is other than me but uh yeah. i'm trying to start it i might start a twitter <laughs> account um, <laughs> you could start a you could start the 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 podcast for the flat brim chronicles yeah exactly exactly you know it's, it's just when you haven't like you're wearing a dad hat right now i am i'm wearing the yakima pippins right now the yakima pippins and even he looks like he's wearing that the apple looks like he's wearing a dad hat it's a it's a whole inception thing going on right here that it's a dad hat with an apple wearing a dad hat on it yeah yeah and you look like you've worn that hat in pretty well. Work the fields, you know, and you put a lot of effort into breaking that hat down. Literally, it arrived in the mail today. That's not right. I own several hats. My big, I started in Bakersfield. I got a brand new black Bakersfield blaze hat. I started in Charleston. I got a brand new black uh, Charleston River Dogs hat. By, my, by the end of my tenure, I own two leather hats. <laughs> There's, uh, you, I put work into them. I, I dusted home plate with them. I filled them with water on hot days. I eat popcorn out of them. I put work into those hats. And now I own two dad hats uh, that are just busted. They smell bad. My wife won't let me wear them around the house. You know, they're, they're, but you got to put work in, man. You got to, you can't, you got to earn these dad hats. You can't well, just show up and be a dad. You got to earn that. I, I have to say, I, I very much respect that. And baseball by design it's a big tent podcast here, right? It's, you know, I, I, you know, all viewpoints on hats are, are welcome here. I respect the, the wear and tear that goes into those two hats that you owned. And so uh, what you do know. you do when you wear and tear your hats to the point of like total beat? Like, do you, do you get new ones? Do you go out and buy like a new? No, 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 no. I have a few hats that, that are really like worn thin and faded. Like, I mean, I love, I love a good faded hat, right? Like, I, you know, you, you turn, I have my Lehigh Valley iron pigs that, that like, it's like a pink hat basically. Right. Like, mm. and then when, but then when you open it up or you look underneath, it's this dark maroon that they sell their hats in. So, so I have some hats, you know, I run in the hats, I wear them into the ocean. I mean, I do all sorts of things with these, with these hats now or, or, or have always, I just, you know, the, I like the curved brim. I like the soft unstructured top. I like how it fits, but you know, it's, I don't, I don't need it to look like a new unstructured hat all the time. Right. Like I need it to, you know, I want it to, to, to feel good on my head. I mean, I know you're a runner. You you, didn't you run like 6,000 miles last year. I did not run 6,000 miles last year. I ran, uh, I did run 1400 miles last year though. So you can get across the state of Florida. Uh, (laughs) I I have have no idea how wide Florida is, but I have run four full marathons. Yeah. And you, it, you buy a brand new hat, you bend up the bill. I'm telling you, man, by the end of one marathon, you'll have a dad hat for the unstructured. You can earn that, man. I, I uh, believe in you. Philip, 
this has been one of my favorite conversations. You're one of my favorite people in baseball. Uh, I feel like I can say now that this is the second time we've done this because I screwed up the recording on the first time we did it. That wasn't going to tell nobody. That was our secret. (laughs) It was a secret until right now, but people who have listened all the way till now deserve to know. But I really appreciate you coming on twice. I love these stories. This has been honestly like so much fun to revisit these. My experience in Sam Lynn Ballpark was honestly one of my favorite baseball experiences ever. And it was because of uh, getting to share that evening with you. It was really totally fun. Well, and as a uh, representative of the now defunct and uh, baseball hell resident uh, Baker Supplies, let me say, we appreciate you coming out. We appreciate you giving us press to giving us a chance. So many people did not give Bakersfield a chance that, you know, we were a joke. And when we went to the winter meetings, like it was a, it was a scene, man. I'll tell you what, you know, especially like you go up with a, you know, Rancho Cucamonga, that's a, that's a professional outfit. You know what I mean? Like yep. San Jose Giants, uh, that's you know they're owned by the giants basically you know they they got all the all the money and all the goods um i i did almost get into a fight with their entire bullpen once we'll say that for a different story but you know i mean like, <laughs> the california league has some legit like decent front offices and then there was us <laughs> <laughs> and so nobody liked us nobody wanted to talk to us and you know our reputation was well earned um but you know sometimes you would show up you know and and uh you know if you wanted to give us a chance i'm gonna give you the full chance um, well, you, you totally did. It was a fantastic experience. And I appreciate you giving us the chance to, to tell all those stories tonight. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, uh, I will meet you at a train robbers game and we can go up to the press box with uh, Tim uh, and we can make more stories. We're, I'm going to go talk to Tim right now. Philip, thank right. you for doing this twice. I really appreciate it. We'll talk soon, man. All right. Awesome, man. Welcome back, everybody. I'm very happy now to be joined by Tim Wheeler, who was the statistician for the Bakersfield Blaze for the entirety, the duration of their tenure in Bakersfield from when they were founded in 1995, right up until they they left. That was uh, at 2016. Is that right, Tim? That, that is correct. We were contracted at the end of 2016. Okay. And uh, Tim is still at Bakersfield's former ballpark, Sam Lynn ballpark that uh, Philip and I certainly just talked about some where you continue to be the statistician for now the, the Pecos leagues, Bakersfield train robbers, which is a great nickname. That's a team that's moved around in, in independent baseball. In addition to being the official score out of Sam Lynn, I'm the official score for Cal state university, Bakersfield road runners. Uh, I them the basketball statistician men's and women's basketball at cal state bakersfield football statistician for bakersfield junior college basketball uh, men's and women's statistician for bakersfield college as well as an office official with the bakersfield condors the AAA affiliate of the edmonton oilers that is uh, an impressive resume absolutely how many uh, in the in the years that the blaze were there how many games did you miss uh, I missed a total of six. Uh, <laughs> my first uh, 1,439 were consecutive. And then, uh, unfortunately, I was diagnosed with cancer. Oh, no. And they had to do uh, basically surgery within a week. So in the past, I was able to put off some surgeries, like an amputation or uh, dealing with a couple of a- abscess teeth. But uh, this was very serious. There was a blockage in my colon. And so that streak came to an end. So I missed, uh, it was either five or six. 
So with all of that going on, you still only missed five or six ball games. So that is some some serious dedication, and you've seen an incredible amount of baseball. It, do you have any any particular highlights, any memories from Sandlin Ballpark that uh, you know that really you know, especially as it pertains to the Blaze, anything that really you know that you that you conjure up right away? Oh, right away. First, uh, my favorite team of all time. Now, got to remember, I'm there 22 years. The 1996 team, which was a co-op team, their record was 39 and 101. <laughs> they lost their last 22 games of the season. The only thing that ended that streak was the fact that the season came to an end. The manager was Greg Nettles. Wow. Uh, it was a team made up because we, prior to 1995, we were affiliated with the LA Dodgers. The Dodgers pulled up, moved to San Bernardino. And Major League Baseball in 95 gave us a bunch of strike players. Remember, there was the strike of 1994, and they were going to start 1995 with strike players, but they got that settled, but they had these guys under contract. So they basically, those that still wanted to play, were sent to either us or Visalia. Um, And in 95, it was primarily Dodgers and Indians. 96 was a cornucopia of players we had 11 different organizations send us players now the first half of the year they won 25 out of 70 not bad considering that again you've got 11 different teams yeah the problem was if a player did well the affiliate would pull the player send them back to their affiliated club and not send anybody back oh no yeah so the second half our roster started to deplete and we were down to 12 players at one time. So my first story deals with the, the 12 player roster. <laughs> That's incredible. Uh, oh, it, it is. And I've got every, I don't know if, if uh, you can see behind me, but I've got every score sheet from 1995 through the uh, 2021 season. Okay, That's so- incredible. You've got a whole shelf full of binders with all the score sheets from all those teams dating back to the the nineties. That's, in, right. that's incredible. You know, there's some interesting names there, you know, that have come through, but uh, you know, Buster Posey, Mike Trout, you know, so on and so forth guys that came through the uh, California league. But anyway, so first story is the Wayne Edwards game. We're down to 12 players. Four of them are basically pitchers. So the pitching was getting real thin and our general manager, Jack Patton, uh, he was talking to Nettles and Nettles like, you know, God, I'm going to have to throw the third baseman tonight. I've got no arms. And Jack said, well, let me call Wayne Edwards. He played for us in 95 and he had a couple of years with the Chicago White Sox. So I'm in the office when he makes the call to Wayne and Jack goes, hey, Wayne, you know, we're short on pitchers. You know, I can pay you 250 bucks. Can uh, you make it up here? you know, and uh, give us at least seven innings. And he goes, Jack, I'd love to. I'll be happy to do it, but I'm working for an attorney and I'm serving a couple of subpoenas. But after that, you know, <laughs> I'll make it over the hill and show up. So we then, I, I went into what I call Operation Stall. Yeah. So not only do our games start late to begin with, but yes. now this day, well... You know, it came time to turn on the lights and there's uh, like eight light standards and wow, two of them didn't come on. Uh, <laughs> um, and then I walked over to uh, the house where the sprinklers are 
and I, oops, the sprinkler in right field came on for a few seconds. <laughs> so now I go back to the uh, the electrical room with it was real quick with water. Yeah. Uh, and then I go back to the electrical room. I shut off all the lights because they're they're old school lights. Yeah. So shut them all down, and then one at a time, I would turn them on. You know, we're just stalling. We're stalling. But finally, uh, we had to get the game going. So the sun was behind the sunscreen. San Jose was pissed off at us. But we finally, we, we finally got the game. They, I think they knew what was going on. So we activated our pitching coach. His name is Blake Green. He was 44 years old, a former minor, leaguer, minor league pitcher whose uh, pitch is a knuckleball. Yeah. So we activated him to start the game. Well, in an inning and two thirds, he walked seven, <laughs> did not give up a run. Unbelievable. <laughs> right. I'm like running the numbers in my head. How's that even possible? <laughs> well, it's, uh, it was just a weird night. So anyway, Wayne, Wayne finally makes it nice. You know, we all kind of went outside the press box. We see him, you know, jogging in, goes down to the clubhouse real fast, dressed real quick, got out there in the, uh, with, Two outs in the top of the second, uh, no warm-ups yeah. other than the seventh rate that you're allowed. Uh, and he finished the game and we lost 14 to two. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you should have left Blake in, it sounds like. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, but then we would have been done about two o'clock in the morning. I think yeah, that's true. Count <laughs> the seven. The catch, you know, catcher never handled a knuckleball. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, you know, that's one story. Uh, another one is, uh, I won't mention his name, but we had a starting pitcher. This, again, and this is all in the second half. All the fun stuff happened in the second half of the year. But we had a guy, he was getting shelled all the time. It was nothing for him to give up anywhere between eight and 18 runs. 18 runs if we were on the road yeah. in High Desert or Lancaster. Yeah. Well, this game, we're in Bakersfield. He gives up 12 runs in less than two innings. Yeah. Nettles goes out to get him. And then as he's walking toward the clubhouse, all of a sudden, myself and our assistant general manager, Susan Wells, we saw this petite little girl bolt up out of the stands, run over to the gate that leads to the field. I kid you not. She took off her wedding ring, <laughs> fired it at him. Oh my god! I go. Did I just see that? And then she just turned around and walked away. (laughs) Uh, So stuff like that, you can see why '96 was my favorite team because you never knew what was going to happen. You knew that, and it was actually fun stuff you don't expect to see at, at the professional level, even though it's a ball. Yeah. You know, we had another guy did a Trevor Bauer, uh, Nettles. Uh, he gave up like 10 or 12 runs in the first inning at high desert. Nettles goes out to get him, reaches out for the ball. Pitcher turned around and fired it over the left field wall. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Nettles released him before he got back to the dugout. He, he would not let him on the bus. A booster had to take him home. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's so, incredible. Yeah, yeah. What a story. What a story. Yeah. Great year. Uh, well, so these, I mean, this was this is sort of what my experience was like when we went and saw a game there uh, in in 2014. My my friend Jeremy and I, as part of our baseball Palooza road trip, 
Philip, you know, Philip Geary just showed us around and it was just story after story after story after story. And so much fun, such an amazing, uh, you know, place for baseball memories, right? This incredible, you know, it's easy, it's easy to pick on a, you know, a, a stadium for being different or, you know, less glamorous than others. But the, the stories uh, at, at Sam Lynn ballpark were amazing. This podcast is about branding, right? So uh, one of the things that I wanted to ask you about as, you know, someone who saw basically three generations of, of logos from 95 to 2000, you had the one that, that Philip tells us was sketched on a napkin by a season ticket holder. And that's my favorite of, of your logos. Uh, and then from 2001 to 2010, you've got the sort of graffiti logo with the the, the flaming, it looked like a butterfly to me. I think Philip said it was a flaming pot leaf. Sure, yeah, call it a butterfly. You go right ahead. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then the- uh, Yeah, that's, the, what, that's what we told people it was. It was a butterfly. A flaming butterfly. <laughs> and then in 2011 yeah. to 2016, you had the sort of generic uh, script looking logo. But I have two questions for you regarding the brand uh, for the team. Sure. The first one is, you know, I know I know there are different theories out there. There are different stories. Do you know where the nickname Blaze came from? Why were they called the Blaze? Okay. Jack Patton, who was the son of the owner and the general manager, I, I asked him that question. And he what he told me was at some point, him and the assistant general manager, Susan, were driving back from Riverside. That's where they were before. And... According to Jack, there was a fire at the side of the road and either him or Susan said, wow, check out that blaze. And the way Jack told me was, boom, the light went off and that became the name. So that's the story I was told. That's like that's like Paul McCartney getting song lyrics in his dreams, right? Like what an amazing story there. Just the blaze. Yeah. Mother Mary came to me. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> uh, so. You know, whether, you know, that's uh, true or not, that's the story I was told. And uh, now they did have a name the team contest. Mm -hmm. um, and somebody submitted the name Blaze, according to Jack. Okay. Uh, the fact that the guy who submitted the name was a longtime season ticket holder, mm -hmm. well, maybe, maybe not. Um, but again that that's that's the story jack is the one that said that he actually because i asked him today uh prior to the show who drew up the original logo which to me is my favorite yeah and uh he said he drew it up oh so uh i'm not i'm not calling anybody else a liar maybe jack did draw it up on a a, a napkin maybe a fan did but a, you know, according to jack he was the one that uh came up with that logo Okay, well, this is the the nature of oral histories, right? They sort of yes. shift and change over time. So maybe maybe that fact is is lost to history. I would love it if that napkin existed somewhere. Though, wouldn't it be great if there was like a a Blaze Hall of Fame and the napkin was there in a glass case? That would be uh, that'd be well, fantastic. So these these three different generations of the of the logos. You mentioned that you liked the original one first. Um, I've actually got that on a T-shirt. I bought it when I was there in 2014. The uh, and then, like I said, you had the the sort of graffiti flaming butterfly, and then you had the, the the black and orange script. Was there one that you felt like was sort of a fan favorite? Was there one that the players liked the best? Was there, you know, is there a most popular version of that Blaze logo? 
Uh, I think it depends. Uh, the the middle one depends upon your uh, sense of creativity. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe it was made at about four, the the artwork was done at four twenty in the afternoon. <laughs> uh, came out of Colorado. Uh, you know, uh, a lot a lot a lot of uh, teenagers and college kids. They, they seem to like that hat. Um, I think older people just thought it was like some design by some kid on a skateboard. Right. Uh, and I think that's what they were going for. But to me, it looks like a burning marijuana leaf. Yeah, it does. It totally does. A hundred percent. So <laughs> there's no. Trying to be polite, you know, throughout the 420s and the. Yeah. No, but, with the name with the name Blaze and the flaming pot leaf, I think that's sort of uh that's that's hard to miss, I think. Yeah, great marketing point. You know, uh we're blazing out at Samlin Ballpark. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do like all of the uh, you know, Philip and I went over the the stories about the the sun setting over the center field wall and then the obviously the time uh when you were playing the rawhide i guess it was the Vesalia oaks at the time when the <laughs> they spread gasoline on the on the field to set that on fire 1982 so. yeah that's 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 a great uh great legend that is true because i looked it up and verified it uh the microfish in the paper uh many years ago when i was researching uh bakersfield baseball and sure enough they wrote about it and everything you heard was true he suggested yeah pour some gasoline on it and that'll dry the field <laughs> and somebody did yeah that sounds good that's hilarious that is too funny tim thank you so much this has been an absolute blast and if i make it out to bakersfield i'm coming to see a train robbers game and we'll we'll hang out in the press box together hey i'll have company <laughs> fantastic thank you tim all right bye